Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is uh, Jason Miller, who is, uh, has worked for the president, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, for quite a long time, helped him in 2016 in the election, was supposed to join the uh, um, uh, administration, but didn't, and ha but has a long uh, history of working with uh, President Trump over the last five years. Uh, welcome, Jason. Thanks for joining us. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm back. It's Brian Karam with Just Ask the Question. And with us is Jason Miller, who uh, has worked with former President Donald Trump for what, five years, Jason? Is it you've been going uh, yep. for five years? On, on and off for, uh, for the last five years. And uh, actually, it, it would have gone back even further. I actually was talking with him back in 2011 when he was wow. thinking about running for president in 2012 uh, for the Republican nomination than the the presidency he had ended up not running but if he had run for that 2012 cycle i was going to be his campaign manager so uh the the relationship goes back a little bit further but formally and informally really from 2016 until now and now you're still you're still working with him he's in um mar-a-lago and as you were saying before we started you're helping him uh put together his uh organization and doing some communication for him right yeah. Still working with uh, uh, with our 45th president on. Uh, he still is the, the hottest draw in politics. He's still the name that everyone on the Republican side wants to get an endorsement from. Uh, the uh, I guess the, the well-wishers and people coming by to kiss the ring is a, a constant flow down there at Mar-a-Lago. And so I've been spending a couple days a week down there and the rest of the time here in suburban Washington. Uh, it's a, you know, it's not uh, too bad to go to Palm Beach. Uh, uh, well, uh, we haven't had much of a winter, but yeah, Florida Beach for weather. Certainly. So helping out, uh, President still has a, a team around him just helping to put that in place and structure that. And we'll see how long that uh, uh, keeps going. But uh, it's it's fun to still team up with them. So you had said before we started that how many senators and how many congressmen have asked for his endorsement? So over two dozen senators have either called or stopped by to see him since he left the White House and went down to Mar-a-Lago, uh, including Rick Scott, the chairman of the NRSC, the Republican Senatorial Committee. Over on the House side, I think we're up to over 50 sitting House members that have reached out, either calling or stopping by, including um, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, uh, Tom Emmer, chairman of the NRCC, and so he still remains uh, the biggest draw. And of course, he uh, we've seen what happened when he endorses, whether it be a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's running for mm -hmm. governor in Arkansas, uh, where his endorsement helped to largely clear the field. And we also saw it last cycle, whether it be with uh, someone like a Senator Bill Hagerty from Tennessee, or even a Tom Tillis, 
running in North Carolina, when the president gets on board, that largely ends the primary process. And I think he went 120 for 122 in primaries last cycle. And the only two that he lost were because other candidates got in the race and said they were even more pro-Trump than the candidates he had endorsed. So a pretty decent record in primary endorsements. So do you think he'll, I, I mean, I, I have all kinds of questions that I, I want to ask you, but, but let's start with, with maybe uh, the one that's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Uh, do you think he will run again in 2024? I mean, I hope so. Uh, I'm obviously I'm a little biased in this equation, having worked for him in both of his presidential campaigns, but I don't know. He's taken some time. He's uh, playing some golf, getting reacclimated with the business, still being the Republican kingmaker, but even privately keeps the cards pretty close to the best. Said that he's not anywhere near making any kind of formal decision when it comes to 2024. I, look, it's still several years off needing to right. really make a decision. I don't think we're going to hear anything uh, anytime soon, but you know, I'm biased. I hope he does. We'll see. Are you concerned about uh, his legal entanglements or any of the investigations into him ongoing? I'm not. Uh, obviously, I'm not part of the legal team, so uh, I, I can only speak to really what I know. And uh, you know, I think the uh, the legal things that we've seen filed out of Fulton County down in Georgia seem to be pretty politically motivated. Uh, I think the the Manhattan DA really seems to be on a, uh, a fishing expedition here where let's go through a million pages and see if we can't find something. So from my perspective, from what I've seen, I'm not particularly worried. But look, it's it's got to be a headache uh, for the former president. I mean, the fact that you have these folks, and again, it could even be going to Benny Thompson and NAACP lawsuit, and even Eric Swalwell, who I like to dunk on, and I'm I'm no fan of by any stretch. Uh, he's filing lawsuits. Look, that ends up taking time, ends up taking money. Uh, it's a it's a distraction, but it, it it shows that for many of these folks, it really it's just all about trying to keep him from running in 2024. I don't think that ultimately will be any sort of deterrent, uh, but we'll see. You think economically he'll have deterrence as far as, uh, I mean, his debts coming due, the money that he owes, how he can make money, is that going to be an entanglement for him? I don't think so. I haven't gotten that perception at all. Uh, again, since I do work for him in the uh, the post-presidency and more in the political sphere, I'm, I'm not someone who works at Trump Oregon. Right. I'm not someone who uh, regularly gets in the middle of, say, uh, Trump organization business. But in none of the conversations I've had with him has that ever been a concern that's been voiced. What is your biggest, uh, we can dive into the, the politics of it, but what are your biggest concerns about Donald Trump? And I want to couch this around the January 6th insurrection. Do you think that that will come back to haunt him, what occurred that day? I don't think so. I think it was a, a pretty uh, ugly day um, when we look at it at historically. I think it's something that everybody uh, clearly wishes never happened. Uh, I think but, that- do, do you we, think President wishes it clearly hadn't happened. Oh, he clearly, I mean, he clearly condemned the violence, and and uh, I know he wishes that that never happened, and he's uh, he said as much in interviews, whether it be at uh, CPAC or a number of other places. I mean, this is uh, even in the tweets he put out during that day, and in the recorded video statements he did before uh, both day of and day after, and before he left the well, White. To be fair, he also said he loved those people, and he, and he was embracing. I mean, he did say that too, right? 
Well, uh, he very much was uh, very much was supportive of the peaceful folks who came uh, out to the ellipse earlier that day. And uh, you know, Brian, one of the things, and someone who helped him with making his TV ads uh, over this uh, the last couple of campaigns. I mean, you'd have to be pretty dense, pretty thick in the head to have watched Donald Trump for the last five years and think for that he would. Um, uh, condone any aspect of violence or, or mob activity uh, in any way, shape, or form. As vocal as he was last summer was speaking out against some of the BLM protests that got out of control, the way that even going back to 2016, okay. when, we saw, but when we saw even in 2016, remember we had some pretty uh, strong moments speaking out in Chicago and in Dallas, a number of places where we saw protests get out of control. Um, look, you got to re respect law enforcement, got to respect the rule of law, and there's no place for what we saw on January 6th. We're, uh, well, I mean, I, we could argue that endlessly because, I, I mean, he has come out and said, hey, you know, punch this guy out or, hey, you know, I'll pay for your bail. I mean, he has incited some violence himself. I mean, now whether or not he agrees with uh, the insurrection, I'll give you that. Honestly, I don't think he did. But I mean, he has been pugnacious, has he not? And I mean, I think there's a little bit of difference. So, for example, at the, uh, when he's say at rallies, he's also when people have been getting kicked out, he's uh, been very careful to say, uh, be very delicate, treat them like a gentle flower. Uh, we don't want them to anything to happen and be very careful with them. Uh, so uh, I don't think that you can um, I don't think you can say that. Uh, you know, say uh, comments from a, a rally or something like that were in any way insightful. Um, you know, what's I think has been very troubling as we've seen some of the information come forward on January 6th was the complete intelligence failure that we saw with law enforcement, the way that FBI didn't get information to Capitol Police. Uh, I think that was very troubling. I think that obviously the uh, fact that uh, some sick individual or individuals planted pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC the night before the president even spoke. I think you can't say that uh, the president, his rhetoric was somehow insightful if they were doing that before he even even went to speak. Uh, but I think as we learn from all this, uh, we have to realize that number one, law enforcement agencies need to work better together. Uh, and also uh, they're redoing a lot of the, the capital efforts, but there are also uh, some, look, there are some people who have some serious mental issues. So for example, the uh, the shaman guy, the, the idiot. Well, yeah, all of those aside. What, well, what, but, but there's something just real quick. But I, I think there are there are some people who have some some mental problems that uh, that I don't think would be fair to lump in uh, as as being a, a regular say Trump supporter like in, like the guy with the the you know the horns on his head you know the whole Chewbacca shot. I remember Chewbacca well Chewbacca but I mean you know I know the shaman the guy with the painted right. face and the horns and the Chewbacca album. that is. I mean, that is not a normal, that is not, I mean, he was at a climate change uh, conference just a month or two I, earlier. I, I get all that. But that aside, when you look at Donald Trump, at the very least, he is a, a divisive character in American politics. He has not brought people together. He's, he's uh, you either love him or you hate him. And if you love him, you love him. And if you hate him, you hate him. And there's then the vast middle that has not been brought together. How can, well, let's see, let me ask it the way. Well, no, I got, let me let me dive in because I, I think know what you're saying. So look, we're at a very, let's just be blunt about this. We're at a very polarized time and not just in the nation's history. And he's helped polarize it. Yes. But he also very much speaks to uh, many Americans who have felt that they've been left behind over the last few decades. And again, not just even I mean, going all the way back. That. Why did they think that, uh, let's talk about that because that's true. 
the, the, the simple fact of the matter is Donald Trump is not a, a cause, but a symptom of what we've experienced. Before he got here, we were divisive. Uh, some of the most divisive politics we've ever had. He exacerbated, he took advantage of it, I'd maintain. And I, that's what politicians do to get elected. So I'm not trying to be controversial in, in, in saying that he took advantage of it because he did, he took advantage of it to get elected. But what, what is it when, when people say, he, he appealed to people who felt like they no longer had a voice. What is it that that they felt was missing? What do you think was felt that was missing in American politics that he spoke to? I think ultimately it was someone who's standing up for American labor and also American industries. And so keep in mind that the one thing that President Trump probably been the most outspoken on over the decades is really on the issue of trade and jobs. You go back to the 1980s when he was criticizing Japan for taking so many of our auto jobs. You go into the 90s when much of that became about uh, Mexico and with Canada. You know, it's kind of the where does Ross Perot to get his apology go to get. So his you say the common apology. man feels like they've been they were abandoned by politics or politicians on both sides on and both sides. And they feel that that great sucking sound that Ross Perot warned about happened. And look, you go into many, uh, you go into many Midwest cities, there, there's empty factory after em empty factory, because then as we moved into the 2000s, it became China that really became the, uh, the even greater sucking sound. Uh, heck, you go into the South and you see places in Southern North Carolina, uh, even in Southern Virginia, where you see what used to be, um, uh, you know, uh, the furniture hubs and the manufacturing hubs. Uh, those are, those industries completely wiped out. And so you- yeah. I what, agree with that. Okay. So let's, that's all right. So you're saying that he appealed to the common man, the working man, right? The William Jennings Bryant appeal. Yes, but also, but here's where there's been, and I think this is where, um, and look, David Shore, uh, who's a left of center demographer and also statistician, I'm probably getting his title wrong, but I have his name wrong. He had a really good write-up in New York Magazine a couple of weeks ago where he talked about how Trump fundamentally changed the parties. And he said it went very much from being even so much of a geographic uh, party base to really one being on, on class and being on economic uh, strata, so to speak. And, yeah, rural versus, you know, well, suburban. But also, point, look, Trump got for uh, Republicans in the modern era a record number of African-American and Latino-American votes. Uh, way better than Romney, way better than Bush, uh, going back the best all the way, going back to Nixon back in the early 70s when states were completely different. And uh, there's well, it was a- Nixon's Southern strategy that alienated a lot of black voters, uh, but enabled him to win. But it was, but look, in the modern era, I mean, Trump did better again than, than Romney, than McCain, than Bush. Uh, then, uh, you know, um, even even going back to even better than uh, George H.W. Bush, even to right. Reagan. Right. The but, 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 but all of that aside, I mean, I, we can dissect all that. Is it good for America to be this divided? But that's, I mean, that's one of those, uh, you know, that's a, a, a variable that none of us are going to be able to wave a wand. And again, it's not even just the U.S. Well, we could have during the Civil War said, hey, you know, United we stand, divided we fall. I mean, don't can't we still oh, say, it's, we still it's say like we're, we're United, not United we stand, divided we fall. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't a civil is not a civil war situation. Even look at the way that Brexit. We're, uh, we're more divided now than we've ever been since the civil war. So in that respect, I think that's well. And I think look, but, an here's the, uh, but I want to make sure we don't gloss over this. I mean, the the right. biggest reason why you've had this divide is because of the um, uh, the lack of the the income inequality and in the way that um, one community of folks in this country have seen their income shoot up. 
and other groups of folks in this country have seen, uh, you know, stagnation and seen basically no growth uh, for decades now. And uh, a lot of folks so look. They were, at, are you saying that Trump would support a, a rise in the minimum wage? No, I think what. Uh, well, I'm not going to uh, go now and talk specifically <laughs> about you know uh, the. Well, that would raise that would raise wealth. <laughs> yeah, but but that also too. I mean, uh, look the 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 real thing that we saw why the the economy took off and why the stock market started growing everything is when they reduced the regulations and uh, and also cut the corporate tax and allowed actually these businesses to start growing. But but the broader point here. People are frustrated and ticked off. It's not quite the Hunger Games where you have the capital city and then everybody else, else out rurally. But look, look at the way that D.C. has grown and prospered. Look at the way that New York has grown and prospered. Then look at the rest of the country. And with the exception of a handful of other uh, maybe uh, urban higher wealth areas, a lot of the country feels left behind. And it, it doesn't matter. Look, uh, President Trump has been out of office now for, what, six weeks that hasn't changed. And guess what? Even after Biden's first four years, uh, hopefully it's just the four and then maybe we get Trump back, you know, I don't know. Um, and, uh, but look, a lot of that still won't have changed. I think opportunities have increased. You know, we got the, before the pandemic hit, we got the uh, unemployment rate for blacks and Latinos and women and Asian Americans down to record lows. But the fact of the matter is, and, and it's not even just the US, look at all of the big developed countries, whether it be India, whether it be Europe, uh, even as we, uh, you know, the only place where you've truly seen a middle class rise is China, but that's kind of an artificial economy. Well, Jason, we had a, a pretty strong middle class before we started, really, before supply side economics, which began with Reagan. One could argue that the last four years of supply side economics has doomed the middle class because there is a wide disparity of wealth. The rich are paying less in, in, in uh, income tax and less in taxes, and the poor are paying more. Now, Ronald Reagan began that, the GOP and, and you know, embraced that, and Donald Trump, as you're talking about, the releasing of regulations and the releasing of taxes, all of that is true, but that's also just letting the robber barons run free, because at the end of the day, if you don't have regulations, your environment's screwed, and if you don't tax the rich, then the poor get screwed. I mean, as, as I, I think it was Lyndon Baines Johnson and uh, even Kane, Keynes and some of the other uh, people who are much smarter about economics than I uh, am said that if you give the breaks to the poor, the rich end up with the money, but at least it passes through the poor guy's hands before it ends up at the top again. When you uh, help out the rich, the poor never get a chance to touch the money. So, But, but to that point, look, I mean, Trump made it pretty clear when he was running against Hillary Clinton in 2016, he was going to be the jobs president. He was going to go and try to create American jobs. He was going to try to breathe new life into American manufacturing. And you think that's what attracted people to him? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think because it was viewed as Trump was fighting for the working man and Secretary Clinton was fighting for Wall Street. That was the, uh, and I'm not saying that because I, I think that, I know that from polling other uh, statistical analysis uh, that we conducted during. That was uh, a very, very effective campaign strategy to, to leave it that way. And, um, and like I said, uh, look, like Trump or dislike Trump, obviously, I'm, I'm sure there'll probably be zero people watching this podcast will be undecided on the matter. Um, <laughs> the fact is, before COVID hit, did have the lowest ever unemployment rates, uh, like I said, for a whole number of categories. And, and Trump was making good on that promise on the job front. Well, and, and before we go to break, first break, um, true that, and I was there for that, but that was also an extension of what had occurred before him. I mean, he took an already decent economy and um, the, the trending upward was already there before he was there. 
And now he could have tanked it. Yes, he could have. He could have screwed it up. Yes, uh, but to for to take total, you know, to to say, hey, listen, the economy is great because of me. That's a bit disingenuous, is it not? Well, I, I'm, and I didn't say that there weren't any positive uh, growth okay. trends. Look, as long as you're many, a lot of people who support Trump will never give Obama or the Democrats any credit for anything that they've done. Look, and look, he did inherit a decent economy. Look, and there are those who argue that he, his economy didn't improve as well on the curve as the one before him. If I'm, I'm be a stickler, if I'm going to be stickler, I would point out that it was the slowest recovery since World War II under uh, Obama and Biden. But uh, look, there, there were some positive trends, but what Trump was able to do with it and go and, uh, and re-inject life into American manufacturing number. And the other thing, too, when we start getting into it, the way that he actually started taking on China, there's a reason. There's a real reason why Biden hasn't come in and reversed all those tariffs and the policies. No, I, I understand that, too. I, I'm not. Look, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue that. There are problems with China. How we approach them um, under Trump has some of that, and, and that has not been reported on very heavily. A lot of that has not been reversed. I'll give you that. That's But let's talk, what, what I want to talk, because everybody's going to get really pissed off at me if I don't bring it up. So I'll bring it up when we come back out of the break uh, about Donald Trump and his uh, his tendency to irritate people. <laughs> so stick around we'll be right back including yours truly well time to pay the bills folks and this one i i don't mind doing if <laughs> actually i've actually used this if this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time come and make it worth the wait with omaha steaks omaha steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself all shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not, maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I, I've never actually seen a mouth water. Oh, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. An exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code QUESTION into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks. Guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked a Question, and with us is Jason Miller, who works for uh, former President Donald Trump, uh, has worked in communications, and uh, uh, Jason's working with him now. And Jason, I guess the big question that everybody will want to ask is, how the hell can you work for Donald Trump? He's a piece of shit. So that's, that's where we'll lead off with. <laughs> well, look, there are, there are 75 million Americans around the country who would offer a much different opinion. Yeah. And 
there are folks who, uh, the president's uh, directness, uh, the, the shoot from the hip style, the unpredictability, uh, the fact that for better or for worse, you know what he's thinking almost all times. A lot of people like I will that. agree with that. Keep in mind, going back to 2016, I think a lot of folks um, uh, kind of missed the the kind of the tectonic plate shift in American politics where, you know, we had earlier in the primary Ted Cruz, who was in there, who was uh, by far the most conservative candidate. And then Donald Trump gets in the race. And Trump was so much the anti-politician. He was so different from the mold that he blew everybody out. He just absolutely blew out the, the Republican field. And well, we didn't know how to handle him in the press. I, I think one of the things we did was we looked at him as a freak show and gave him a lot of oxygen and air without a lot of uh, insight. And by the time we woke up and started treating him as we treated other politicians, like he actually had a chance, he was already... Uh, look, there were, there were folks that, you know, whether it be Fox or CNN, even MSNBC, who viewed him as ratings gold and would literally yes. just... Put up the put up the 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 podium, even if it was an empty podium, and leave it up there for a half hour because they knew that, uh, that that and that was even again even CNN, MSNBC would do that, not just Fox. So it was a, a big massive uh, ratings bonanza. But look, there are some people who uh, who like this style, some people who hate the style, some people who like the um, like the policies, maybe don't like some of the politics. Uh, but again, I think President Trump really speaks to a big community of Americans who've been left behind and say, you know what, I'm sick of everyone in Washington. I hate the politics. Uh, finally, someone's going to go and throw some bombs to try to help us out. And uh, does that rub some folks the wrong way? Yeah. Well, guess what? We're in a pretty divided time in the country uh, that started well before President Trump or even before Secretary Clinton came along in, in 2016. Uh, and I think no, that it all started uh, way back when the, I honestly, my thoughts is it started uh, back uh, at the end of the Tip O'Neill era when they closed a, a club in the uh, House and the Senate where uh, members of the uh, Republican and Democratic Party used to share time after hours. Uh, Newt Gingrich came in and, uh, and turned it into a zero-sum game. I think politics has been going that way for 25 years. Years and I would um, and I would say similar time frame, but I think that uh, look, I think that uh, the NAFTA move and China's entry into uh, the the WTO and also be given MFN status, those two things I think fundamentally change the American uh, workforce. But I, I think too, uh, and look, I'm a little bit younger uh, than you. I mean, obviously, you know, much better. Looking. I'm an old part. I have official old part status, so yes, you are younger than me. Yes. <laughs> But look, in my professional political career, I really think that it was the the 2000 election uh, and the and the recount and just how um, hanging just chads in Florida, the hanging chads in the way that for many people in the country, uh, they vocally uh, called George W. Bush an illegitimate president uh, and that he had stolen the election. And it seems to me that ever since well, uh, that, that since wasn't that much heat after the fact that that lasted a week or two, and then. It, I would look. I I I disagree with you there and say that lasted all the way up till 9/11, and then after 9/11, then going back to the 2004. Yeah, all right, you can argue to 9/11, but uh, it, nonetheless, it wasn't an everlasting, it wasn't ongoing. The biggest knock against Donald Trump isn't that he's divisive. It isn't that he's um, that he has played upon the fears of. Uh, it's all of it, and the fact that they can't that many people cannot get past the fact that whether you believe Donald Trump personally is a racist, uh, racists have embraced him, racists have uh, cheered his name, and there are people in the, in 
the Senate and Congress today who still won't admit that uh, he lost the election. So that's, I, it, when you go back to what really uh, chaps people's ass that don't like him, it, it boils down to A, the big lie and B, racism. How do you address those issues? Well, I mean, taking those in, in reverse issue uh, or reverse order, excuse me. Um, uh, look, I've spent a lot of private time uh, with the president. I've seen how the president interacts with people. I've seen the way that um, that he treats his friends, uh, the way that he cares about issues that are going on. And I think that uh, there's a reason why he got record numbers of support from African-American, Latino-American voters. Uh, the fact that he went out there with the, the platinum plan. The, but I'm not talking about him personally. I'm talking about he... It's but, racist embracing him. But, and but like but him saying there, there are good people on both sides, like after the riot. But hold on. But I know that you watched the full clip that we played at the impeachment defense where you saw that he came back and very clearly condemned uh, these fringe groups and anyone who's, you know, uh, proud boys and anyone who's uh, participating in, in bad activity. Uh, look, I've always, the president always. Yeah, but, but, but they still embrace him because they think that's about what is he, that's but, him Brian, playing. How many, times, how many times does he have to get out there? I mean, he did the debate. I condemn the proud boys. How many times does he have well, to He didn't condemn the proud boys. He told them to stand back and stand by. And, well, that, and they adopted that as their, as their motto. So if he was trying to, maybe he was trying to, to tell them to back condemned, off. That's not how they took it. He's condemned the Proud Boys so many times, over and over and over again. And like yet the, they still like him. Why is that? I have no idea. I mean, look at the, I mean, they're loonies that uh, um, support Joe Biden. Uh, and support the uh, his so I mean uh, look they're, yeah, they're not, not 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 uh, what you know these are domestic terrorists I mean these are people who would and look I interviewed them the day of the insurrection I got my life threatened a couple of times I I never had threats against my life as a reporter prior to Trump I've had plenty since then uh, and the most I got were in the last six weeks of his administration including the day of the insurrection when they were convinced that. Donald Trump told them to go to the Capitol and tear it down. They and these were not. I know that they're you know Marjorie Taylor Greene and Bobert and them had said you know look it was Antifa, but those people got angry if you accused them of being Antifa. They were wearing Trump shirts, Trump hats, Trump flags, and wanted and believed that Donald Trump won the election and wanted to support him. And so I, I mean, there were look, there were we kind of went through this a little bit before, but you take uh, John Sullivan, who was arrested there. You take a, a look at the. Uh, uh, I the understand all that. There were uh, there were some different folks there, but uh, look, here's the thing. When but they like they they weren't there because they didn't like Trump. All of them were there because Donald Trump. <clears throat> they thought that he had been cheated out of an election. And I don't think you can say that across the board. I mean, again, look at the the activity, the intel that we got the days leading up to it uh, and some of the acts that were carried out, whether it be the, the pipe bomb uh, planting of the DNC and RNC from the night before. I mean, those those are not. But all of that could have been could all of that could have been easily avoided if Donald Trump had just come out and said, hey, I lost the election. Let's move on. But up until I mean, it was within his legal right to go and challenge things. I agree with until, it being within his legal right. Electoral votes, uh, you're allowed to, up until the electoral votes are counted, uh, that is fair game to go and challenge it and fall out your. But trying to stop that process is not is not a part yeah. of it. 
No, but he never he never advocated for people to go and stop that process. That's not. Well, there are those who say that he did, and I I was there when he was. I was there when I saw Rudy. I was I I watched them speak. Now, Trump himself may have parsed his words where he just said, "We've got to fight," but uh, it, it was Rudy Giuliani and one of the interchangeable sons, who I always forget, uh, who came out and said point blank, "Go up there and and you know it's a it's a war." I mean, you know, it's it. I mean, those were almost the exact words that Giuliani. Right. You also you also saw during the impeachment trial when we played the video of literally every single. Uh, Democratic senator that was in that room, as well as every single Democratic House impeachment manager, all using the exact same language. Well, no, not in, keeping it in context. A political fight is not the same as a armed conflict. I mean, I, it, I, I listen to the rhetoric of politicians all the time. We've got to fight. We've got to do this. But it was, it, it <laughs> that was not what was said that day and now the president may have said fight but you know and and you could give him the benefit of the doubt and say look but it was his son and it was giuliani who made no mistake in what they were saying was to go up there to the capitol and brand and just, trump said he, he i was there i, I, I heard just, it i just fundamentally disagree with uh, uh that there was any uh, uh, any suggestion of any untoward? Vincent, how can you how can you say that when that's when the people who marched said that's what they got from that? They told me look, that. Look, if you look at the timeline, people were already starting to enter the Capitol while President Trump was still speaking. That's, and so, that I mean, has little to do with what you they, got. You got to remember, I just got done quarterbacking the president's impeachment defense efforts, so I know the timeline cold. I know that the, the time. I'm not arguing timeline with you. Yeah, there were already people that were had marched up there. What I'm saying is, the people that I spoke with that day when they marched, and I was with them marching, saying we're going up there because the president told us to do it, and we're going to take back our capital. That's what they got, regardless of. But, but regardless of what you say his intentions were, regardless of what Giuliani or his son says, what they heard was what what they did. I mean, so they we, we did both, it based we both, on what they thought they I heard. Think, I think you and I both agree that nobody uh, should have been inside the Capitol causing any sort of problem. And any of the violence we saw is uh, there's there's never a situation where that's... It was a, the worst day in my life as far as think, a, 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 yeah. in America. I never felt uh, so ashamed of being... And I'll tell you the gods. People, oh, let me let me just finish real quick. The people who legally uh, marched up and were outside and uh, making their voice heard, uh, protesting their voice heard peacefully and patriotically, who weren't engaging with anything entering the Capitol or any aspect of, of mischief. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we're on the same page about nothing. Yeah. I think inside the Capitol uh, was okay, and and I'll be just as forceful uh, as you in saying that anyone inside the Capitol that was up to no good, uh, there's never any place for that. Yeah, and they they went there thinking that that's what Donald Trump wanted. So regardless, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to uh, well agree. I, mean, to I can only that. tell you what was told to me. <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, but it's, Again, we're going to have to on, on some of the bad actors who are already breaking in before the president was even done, or people who are doing things the night before. They clearly uh, were not incited well, by anything that the president did. They may so, not have been incited by that speech, but they certainly were incited by four years of or, or encouraged, I would think, from four years of divisive politics with President Trump, the head of the country. Now, whether or not you want to argue that Donald Trump personally was responsible for that, you know, it was 
Harry Truman who said the buck stops here. So if Donald Trump wants to take um, full, if he wants to take you know responsibility for the economy, he wants to take responsibility for the good things that happened during his watch, he's going to have to take responsibility for the bad things that happened in his well, watch I, as well. And you know that's that's where uh, I think that reality is coming to bite Joe Biden a little bit right now with this crisis at the southern border. I don't want to, Joe Biden. Don't get me. That's a different. Now. <laughs> I could do an hour on that. <laughs> Let's stay here. You do, you do agree with me that the uh, reversing remain in Mexico policy, um, you know, it's, it, it's not as though they're, it's not the GOP that's giving people, hey, Biden, please let us in t-shirts uh, to come marching up to the border. I mean, look. I think know. both political parties have completely fucked up immigration since the mid-70s. They've turned it into a political football, and we have, we are too busy arguing politics about an issue that we know little about and have but, done nothing to solve. Hold on, hold on. But it's tripled over the past. You see, month. you want to go. You want to. Eh, let's not go there. Well, we'll talk about that in the, in the okay. break time because we okay. have. Uh, I have plenty of, of of opinions about it. But let's stick to what we're talking about and and let's talk about Donald Trump. And what do you think was the? All right, no one's perfect. What do you think is the worst thing he did as president? Um. You know what? I don't know if I've been asked that question. Um, Nobody's ever asked you that. I asked you uh, about field. No, that's actually, uh, you know what? I, I don't have anything that, uh, I mean, look, there, there are a few things that, you know, a couple of personnel choices uh, that I think uh, could have been. Policy choices. Uh, what do you think are the worst policy choices he made? On the policy choices, and that's a good one. I got to think about I got to think about that one for a little bit. I'm not, I'm not sure if one necessarily comes to mind that, that I would say is a uh, is a, a worse policy. Muslim ban? Uh, look, I think the, the ban on travel from countries with high rates of terrorism, I, you know, that's, um, uh, I wouldn't say that it's that. I think what he's done for, I mean, the fact we didn't have any. Um, so if not that, what? what? What would you, where would you? Where would you have said? I think policy-wise, I think yeah. policy-wise, he had a, a pretty damn good run. I mean, even I think probably one of the biggest. Um, uh, one Were of those that say he looted the treasury and he made money for himself and uh, his policy decisions? Look, I, I think I think that uh, uh, I think that look, my my personal opinion um, that uh, you know Brett Kavanaugh uh, wasn't the uh, maybe wasn't necessarily the best pick. And we see some of his rulings and the way that he's weighed in on some things that uh, he seems if uh, Brett Kavanaugh seems to have disappointed basically everybody. Uh, but you know, one of the things. <laughs> he, well, he's universal. He's disappointed the right and the left. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, at least at least the uh, the Washington Nationals are going to allow fans this year, so we can go back to watching his baseball games. But I mean, I don't. I mean, that guy's got like. You know, we got like a three percent approval rating. I'm not sure what's going on there, but look, I, I do want to say that Kavanaugh was is the worst decision he made. Uh, I, I would say I, I would say Kavanaugh, but I would say that what was ultimately for this this first four years going to go down probably is the most um, uh, enduring legacy. I think probably uh, with regard to foreign policy, uh, and I think that's one that a lot that's of the worst. Uh, no, no, no. That that'll be the best. Um, and I think that you look at the way that he reset the trade debate with China. Uh, you look at the way that he was able to go and engage with uh, with uh, countries such as uh, look the way that he engaged and at least got the conversation going with North Korea. Um, I think was um, we were definitely headed in a in a wrong direction. I mean, that's a, a pretty whacked out country. 
Uh, so I think that that was critical of whether he brought Middle East peace. I mean, you know, five what was it, you know, five peace deals uh, that they got going there. I mean, they literally people used to laugh uh, at Trump and Jared Kushner and say, "You're never." Well, gonna, they still do, but that's uh, but you're not going to get. Any, they'll say you're not going to get anything done on the peace side of things, and he got it done. He actually moved the embassy, which Republicans and Democrats said that that they were going to do, and no one ever did it. I think the foreign policy could end up being a, one of the the that and probably reshaping the the courts will probably two most long-term uh, uh, kind of what they said about nixon after he left too courts and foreign policy let's move on to a different one oh, and that's oh, um, nixon, I mean, he created the epa and a whole bunch i mean yeah well they they say yeah he did uh let's but let's talk a little bit about today's gop there is the opinion first of all do all people have the same rights civil rights black people white people Brown people, women, does everyone have, does everyone, should everyone have equal opportunity to the same things equal under the law in the United States? Well, of course, everyone should be equal under Transgender. the law. Transgender? We know that, we know that uh, unfortunately, that- uh, Transgender well, people as well? Gay people on, as well? We know, we know that always with, uh, say, for example, with, uh, you know, say with speech or something that essentially your free speech goes right up until it uh, it interferes with someone else's ability or to where it starts. Yeah. My free speech ends where your nose begins. I get that. Uh, I right, agree with exactly. that. But, but I disagree no. with what you say, but we'll defend to death your right to say it. Got all that. Do, does tra do transgender people have the same rights as, as heterosexual people or uh, well, cisgenders? Everyone should have the same rights in America. I mean, that's that shouldn't be a, a, a debated issue. I mean, uh, should there be a pathway for citizenship for immigrants, even if they come here um, uh, as undocumented workers? Uh, I personally, uh, I personally uh, do not think that there should, um, unless people follow the, the set series of protocols. I don't think that there should be um, a pathway and follow through everything. What if they can't? What if the, what if they're I mean, I've interviewed some of these people who have absolutely dick. I mean, nothing. I mean, they're living in hammered flat tin can shacks with uh, 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 baseboards made from, you know, discards from uh, packing crates. They, they, I've seen people brush their teeth in the same sewage lagoon where they took a crap. I mean, these people got dick. And they're coming over here because they want to live the American dream. They can't, they got nothing. They get they get terrorized by the coyotes. They get terrorized by their government. They get terrorized by the drug cartels. They well, work their ass think, off, and all know, they want to do is a chance to come over here. Why can't they have a path to citizenship as well if they're willing to follow the rules once they got here? So, I mean, uh, you know, Brian, I mean, this might be just a, a, a difference in, in philosophy, but I think that the U.S. needs to take care of American citizens first before we become the um, uh, the social safety net for the rest of the entire world. Well, and that might I don't know if we're the social safety net for the rest of the entire world. And I don't disagree with you in taking care of American citizens, but we that's create... kind of what you're saying, though. No, I'm not. I'm saying, yeah, saying I, I'm saying if they come over here and want to be Americans, we're a nation of immigrants. Why can't we accept them? We have in the past with different laws, different rules. In fact, the rules we have now didn't exist at the turn of the 19th century when my relatives came over here they just came over here got off a boat signed a sheet and the way they so, went at this point I, I do think that trump has a right that it should be a merit-based immigration system as opposed to just a uh, a country-based quota system so then my let me put it to you this way if there's a person living in south america central america their government is corrupt and uh drug dealers are the drug cartels are ruling you know the area 
and th their lives are threatened and they take that trek, that, that march, they shouldn't have a shot because why they can't, have no... Why, why can't, uh, why can't they um, live in Mexico or Belize or why couldn't they go to... Well, uh, I'd, I'd say you travel down there and, and see uh, how those conditions are in most third world countries. Also, but, but let's Brian, talk a little bit about what causes... Wait a minute, before we get there, let me ask you this question. Back it up for a second. That country that they live in, where there is corrupt government. And so are you, are you specifically talking Northern Triangle? Is that what you're- Yeah, let's talk about it, yeah. And, so and there are drug cartels, hold on. And we have, it's the demand for drugs in the United States, which fuels the drug cartels. Our government with our choices in past, and this is not just limited to Trump. I mean, my God, certainly not limited to Trump, but our foreign policy decisions have backed some of the most corrupt uh, regimes in the Western Hemisphere here because they were kind to us and gave us good rates on oil. And, and in the 1920s and 30s, uh, food like bananas and fruit that, uh, that you know, and we back, you know, in Union Carbide, read Smedley Butler who wrote, you know, War is a Racket. I mean, right, we right, created, right. we right. created those, of the, that environment. So how can we not be responsible for what we, we created? Right now, talking Northern Triangle. So we got Guatemala, we got Honduras, uh, we got El Salvador. So we're we're talking about uh, these do three. Know, countries but in, do in we know? Time. Do we owe anything to the people who live in the conditions that we help create? Uh, hold on, you can't go and blame it all. I mean, I'm if, not blaming it all. I said help create. We did help create it. Our our come on, the drugs they were, that they, they make money off terrible. of, we we buy here. Brian, we, we're, in, we're invested in the drug cartels. We owe, it is our responsibility. My philosophy is, and I think the philosophy of President Trump, it's our responsibility to take care of American citizens before we're taking care of fo folks in other countries. At the and, cost and, of and, folks in other countries? But the other thing too is look. But, you, but that's the question. Is it at the... Is it before or at the cost? Of? It's not. We just have a, a fundamental disagreement. I think. Well, folks, okay, so if it's not at the cost of, if it's not at the cost of, why can't they go to Belize or why can't they go to Mexico? Why can't they go to? Uh, I don't know. Why can't why, why can't, can't they, they go, go to the Iceland? I take choose here. Why can't here. they go to Panama? Where, where are your uh, Where are your ancestors from? Mine certainly aren't from here. I mean, we. we I mean, the, minor. Um, uh, you know, but. Thought I was German, then I did the ancestry DNA, and I'm Irish. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm the most, uh, you know, Irish guy that never knew he was Irish. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, we'll have a drink of Irish whiskey. <laughs> but exactly. It, um, but, but no. But, but, but okay. So if it's right, not it's at not the window, minute, hold, hold on. Follow my logic for a second. So yeah. if it's not at the cost of others, but us first, and we create the situation that creates the despair. So is this so? What you want Central America reparations or like what? No, I'm not asking for reparations. I'm well, just saying. I, I, I'm I'm just saying. Do we not owe them a path to citizenship? No, it can I, be I as difficult that, as possible. Because, I think because we're the greatest country that's ever existed. I think it's great that we have humanitarian efforts. What are we I, so great it, at? And it's. Uh, because this is where this is uh, when you combine safety and economic opportunity and ability to uh, to rise up and not be trapped uh, in a certain. Well, how can you uh, rise up if you can't come here? But again, it's not our responsibility to have. Who's saying it's a responsibility? Our because ancestors came here for the same to... reason these people came here. Or is it, are we just saying the doors are closed and we can't let them in? No, just saying that there's uh, obviously a limit. There's obviously going to be- Why is there a limit? I don't understand that either. There's only Because there's only so much 
government assistance. And now, if we were going to America, well, now the rich we get the government America, assistance. The rich get far more government look, assistance. If we were going to a merit-based system and say the folks that you're bringing up from the Northern Triangle were, uh, uh, you know, technicians or robotic repair people or uh, you know, people in, in certain industries, then guess what? If if we have jobs, let's bring them up and uh, have put folks to work. But when we play the the country by country quota game and we start, Man, people, you can't people, play that. People are. If people but are right, people, if, people are people. But here's the thing. And I got, I got I, all right, hold that thought because I got I to gotta go to a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. One hi, and we're back. It's just asked the question. Jason Miller is with us, and we were just <clears throat> discussing <laughs> uh, <laughs> immigration, <laughs> and, and we had solved Chinese all the world's problems. Your your uh, uh, '60s uh, uh, hippie roots coming out in. Uh, uh, that's not. I'm just. I'm just trying to treat people the same. It's '60 hippies roots. <laughs> the '60. Okay, so Brian, your '60s Nixon oppression, right wing radical was coming uh, out. Of Brian, let me uh, let me let me just tell you. Sum it up. That we have we have an obligation to take care of uh, not just the men and women, but the children of America before we start taking care of folks from other countries. So for example, you go to look at a lot of the areas, I mean, you know, where Trump did 4% better in, in Philly than he did four years ago. You look at the area, how we got the record support for Republican with uh, black Americans, Latino Americans, we have a right to go and help impoverished areas in the U.S. before we're worried about other countries. That's that's my philosophy. That's the president's philosophy, and it's a, it's a hill that I'll die on because I think that that Americans that are here. Well, I think that's uh, where he will then, because I think that America is is basically a, a land of opportunity for anyone who wants it. We need to make uh, uh, make it. A, it I am not saying let people. So, so, but Brian, and, and, but and if look, they want to follow the rules and they want to come here. The rules in nineteen in eighteen eighty nine, when my parents, my grandfather first got here, was he got a ticket, he got on a boat, he signed a sheet, and then he took you know lessons after that and became an American. But you now, would agree we with have me. put up all kinds of uh, we've changed the goalposts so many times since then that it's impossible for. But you would agree with me, real quick, Brian. You would agree with me that we need to worry about say the drinking water in Flint, Michigan, before we worry about. Uh, the drinking water in Honduras. Well, well, my question is, if we're the greatest nation on earth, why can't we do both? You, Saving you water to. in both places. We haven't saved Flint, Michigan's water yet. We certainly yeah. haven't done anything about poverty in Mexico. So actually, we haven't done anything about poverty in Arizona. We haven't actually, done anything about poverty in Florida. We haven't done anything actually, about racism. Flint, we haven't done anything about violence. Flint, so, Flint water is actually drinkable now. They've actually gone in and spent a whole bunch of money and uh, it's improved quite a bit under Trump. Now I've got cousins in Flint who would disagree with you, but that's no, okay. No thanks, to, no thanks to Rick Snyder. Uh, I think they even. Uh, I like, see that you're you're gonna go you're gonna go. I was just gonna piss on all the uh, on all Repu uh, Republicans and Democrats, and you just want to piss on the Democrats. That's like Rick I said. Snyder, I, no, Rick Snyder's Rick Snyder's a rhino, but he's actually a Republican. I mean, yeah, that you don't you don't, that, you don't right. claim him as a Republican, and you know it. That's that's why you pissed on him because you only the you will only claim people that. I believe with uh, who align themselves with Trump, but right? Going back to but going back to my initial point, 
is that I believe so you want to avoid that point. No, I, that look, we need to go and take care of, uh, say, Flint's water crisis before we're worried about other countries. And I'm just using that as an abstract example with Northern Triangle because of the the heated immigration debate that's currently going on. But I look, I'm someone who grew up in a single parent household. I'm someone who had the electricity turned off when I was a kid. I'm someone who really lucked out and got some scholarships to be able to go to a good college. I hear you, and you really don't understand so, that, that when you say that, having seen what I've seen, when I hear you say that, it reminds me just how privileged we are in this country that we don't understand unless we see it firsthand exactly how bad I, other people have it. Look, I've, I've been to- uh, never had, I will venture to say you've never brushed your teeth with sewage lagoon water. I, I'll just venture to say that if, if right, I'm I wrong, saw, I saw some, some pretty horrific poverty uh, when I went to Zambia two years ago and I saw what USAID and, uh, and PEPFAR and whatever uh, they were- I, I understand that, but uh, what I'm saying um, is those people have nothing and they are sending their children without a company. That's nuts to send an unaccompanied minor through the coyotes. You realize how desperate you have to be to do that? That speaks to the desperation of these people. It's in Brian, it's because Joe Biden said, if you can get into the country, that's where he said uh, citizenship for 11 million undocumented folks. You're going to blame Joe Biden for a problem that's been ongoing since 1980. You'll lose me. I, I will I, blame him. I will blame him for tripling uh, the it's illegal. It's not his fault for that. Month. He changed the Remain in Mexico policy. He changed all the policy. Then why okay, would it you you do want to get on this and you're running out of time? We I can do, do this I another do. time. But I'm telling you that that it, to blame Joe Biden for this, you have to ignore what Trump did before him, what Obama did before him, what Bush did before him, what Clinton did before him, what Bush did before him, and what Reagan did before him. This Brian, is not a one president you know, problem. You know, is, you know that changing, everybody since 1980. You know, changing something. Remain in Mexico policy, reinstituting catch and release, those are all total disasters that have exacerbated this now problem. That's, I, I understand that's how you think, and everybody thinks that, uh, well, there are, you know, how many 90 million people who think that I, 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 Trump is a disaster? Okay, you got to uh, run. We'll talk. Love to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love the discussion. The, me too. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kiram. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.